talking about today on Table Talk? Well, we have an interview lined up uh, with an attorney of the High Court of South Africa who serves as a parliamentarian liaison. Ah, that's a mouthful. Uh, but when she gets on, uh, she'll explain to us exactly what that means. Uh, but she'll also give us uh, the, she's going to be giving us the lowdown on matters that should concern you as a Christian in 2022. After that interview, uh, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God, but with a focus. So we won't be speaking about it generally. I uh, will try to focus on the kingship of Jesus Christ. Um, where does this come from? Well, we uh, went to bed uh, last night with the news uh, coming out uh, from the royal family that the queen had died peacefully at Balmoral um, that afternoon. This was yesterday. Um, so we heard news uh, yesterday that the queen of England um, had passed away. Um, and so today, uh, she. it is because of this that I thought it would be a great time for us uh, to talk about um, just kings and kingdoms. Uh, so let us know where are you listening from uh, what part of South Africa are you and um, and we'll continue this conversation moving on but I do see here uh, that we have a lady by the name of Beverly uh, who sends me a good morning and welcome uh, thank you for listening in and thank you uh, for sharing this verse Romans uh, chapter 10 verse 17 with us with that said I heard our guest is ready uh, Daniela are you there can you hear me? I can. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining in. Were you expecting to hear from me or from Pastor Mark? No, Mark let me know to expect uh, that he had handed over to someone else this morning. Okay, I was hoping to surprise you there. Spoilt it. Uh, next time. Well, for, for those who are listening in for the first time, um, for uh, here's just some background information to lead us into this conversation. Um, 4SA, which is the Freedom of Religion South Africa, is a legal advocacy organization working to protect and promote the constitutional constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. Uh, Daniela. Elebek, please help me with that pronunciation, um, is an attorney of the High Court of South Africa and serves as a parliamentary, parliamentary liaison. She is a graduate from Rhodes University and she has specialized in litigation. So today uh, we are talking to her as an attorney and legal advisor to Freedom of Religion South Africa about the Films and Productions Acts regulations which were gazetted by the minister last week Friday which was the 2nd of September 2022 and the hate speech bill. Uh, so the first question uh, for you there Daniela is uh, what can you tell us about the regulations? So, Jabalani, as listeners who attended 4SA's Roadshow last month will know, the Films and Publications Act was amended, and these changes came into effect this year, March. And the changes were made um, and were to be followed by changes to the Act's regulations. And 4SA... Jabalani? Sorry about that, Daniela. Just a few technical difficulties, but we are back. It's fine. I love background music. It's good. <laughs> so, ORSA made submissions um, to the Forms and Publications Board, the FPB, about the proposed changes both to the Act and the regulations, <laughs> and mostly regarding the regulations needing to not impose administrative or financial burdens on religious organizations such as churches who load religious content, such as videos of their Sunday sermons, 
or articles on the church's YouTube channel or website. So you can imagine if um, these regulations impose administrative financial burdens on churches, the bureaucratic and red tape hoops they would have to jump through before they could load anything on their social media platforms. And for us, I stress to the department and the FPB that regulating such religious content would hinder religious organizations' ability to express and share their faith and teach about it. And because of that, it would limit their constitutional right to religious freedom and freedom of expression. And we also presented these concerns to the FPB um, in July when we were in Joburg presenting to them at their consultative hearing. Sure. Uh, Daniela, could you tell us what, what do these new regulations say? So, Jablani, as you said, the final version of the regs were published last week Friday in the Government Gazette. And 4SA has now studied the regs, we've spoken to the FPB, and we can advise the following. So, the regulations now contain a definition for commercial purposes, which, when read with the definition for a commercial online distributor, makes it clear that a church will only be seen as a distributor, which means that all the red tape comes into effect when they charge a fee for access to online content. Um, so when they charge a fee for accessing their website to view the sermons or when uh, they get, um, you know, they, they, they charge a fee for a, a DVD that they sell of a sermon, even if that is a cost. However, if the online content or DVD is, is made available free of charge, um, religious organizations will not be regulated. And also something that the FPB pointed out is that um, if churches load content on YouTube, they will also not be regulated. So that is very good news because most churches would load their sermons onto YouTube. Mm. So um, we have written articles for us on it, setting out to churches exactly what this means for them. And we're hoping to have that article on our website soonest so listeners can keep an eye out for that. Sure. Uh, listeners, if you are listening and you do attend a church and your pastor isn't uh, previewed to this information, please, please, please let them know. Um, just go to the 4SA website um, and learn all about this so that it doesn't catch you um, unawares. Uh, we do need to be aware of some of these regulations that are coming out. Um, and thank you, Daniela, for uh, informing us so helpfully this morning. Um, now, moving on in our interview, we saw uh, that the parliament met uh, this week on the hate speech bill. Uh, what are 4SA's concerns about uh, this bill? Yeah, so, Jabalani, the full name of this bill is the Prevention of Hate Crimes and Combating of Hate Speech Bill, a.k.a. the Hate Speech Bill. And it wants to create um, two crimes in South Africa, namely the crime of hate speech and the crime and the crime of hate crimes. Now, a hate crime is when someone commits a crime that is already recognized in our laws, such as murder and assault. And the reason for the crime is hatred or prejudice or intolerance based on um, one of the 23 listed grounds in the bill, approximately 23, depending on how you read it. Um, in other words, Jabalani, something that would normally be seen in our law as aggravating circumstances, which would lead to a more heavier sentence. So that's not too concerning because it kind of just codifies what's already law and what mm. the courts already do. But 4SA's concerns, however, focus on the religious freedom issues. So how the hate speech perspective could negatively affect our right to freely live out and speak out our beliefs in public, which of course will also affect Radio Pulpit because media organizations are also um, involved in this bill. So from this angle, our problems with the bill center around the hate speech provision, which Jabalani, they criminalize certain forms of speech that could see you being prosecuted and potentially sent to jail for three or even five years. And sure. listeners might remember that over a hundred 
thousand submissions were submitted just on DRSA alone. So over a hundred thousand individuals last year sent in their comments on this bill saying they don't want it. And with many South Africans Jablani, being concerned about the bill's wide definition of hate speech and the fact that it criminalizes speech in a democracy and that it has a very weak exemption clause, not just for religion, which is a massive concern, um, because the 23 listed grounds in the version of the bill that Parliament discussed on Wednesday include many controversial grounds, sure. um, such as sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, and I mean, none of these are defined in the bill as at all. So very concerning that we have weak exemption clauses for um, artists, for academics, for the media, for religious people, and very wide definitions for things such as hate speech that could see you sent to jail. Sure. Now, so, so to say uh, that one could go to jail for speech in this country with the history of heavy sensitive before he, heavy censorship before democracy. I mean, it's it, just listening to you. I'm just sitting thinking about um, all the things that I post on my Instagram or on my Facebook. Exactly or, right. And I'm wow. So, so can you expand a bit on what Forrest's concerns are relating to the bill's proposed hate speech? Speech provisions. So I think let's start by clarifying for listeners the difference between a civil and a criminal law, because mm-hmm. at the moment we have the Promotion of Equality and Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act, commonly known either as PEPUDA, um, which is simply its acronym, or as the Equality Act. And Jablani, that's a civil act. So in terms of that, and it has, after the Wilani case from last year, it has a very narrow definition of hate speech. Um, the Concord said that its definition was way too wide, even for a civil law, and it struck it down and rewrote it much more in line with the Constitution, very narrow definitions. Mm. And um, in terms of that law, so, for example, John Quilani wrote an article, an opinion piece in the Sunday Sun, entitled, Call Me Names But Gay Is Not Okay. And he was taken to court for hate speech in terms of the Equality Act. And that case went all the way up to the Concord of the Concord saying, no, the Equality Act's definition of hate speech is way too wide, and they narrowed it down considerably. And in terms of that act, you don't end up with a criminal record. You can't go to jail. You can be ordered to apologize. And in fact, the court has like quite creative remedies available um, to try and bring reconciliation and to try and change people's views. And, you know, the, the, it's, it's the whole aim of that law is restorative justice. So, for example, in that case... John Quilani, um, unfortunately deceased, would have been ordered to apologize or, you know, would have been able to um, order to go and spend some time with people that he had um, mentioned in that article. But in terms of this law, the hate speech bill, he would have gone to jail. There's no restorative justice there. This is purely penal. And the problem is, is that the hate speech bill's definition of hate speech is wider than the Equality Act's. So in terms of the bill, the way it is at the moment in front of Parliament, Jabalani, it's easier to be uh, found guilty of the crime of hate speech and go to jail for five years than it is to be ordered to apologize under a civil law like the Equality Act. Do you understand how topsy-turvy this is in our law? It makes absolutely no sense. And the bill's definitions of harm are so wide. I mean, in terms of that bill's definition, it is any emotional, psychological, physical, cultural, social, economic harm. 
Now, what on earth are social and cultural harm and why any harm? Why, why any emotional harm? What happens if Daniela says something that, um, you know, something about, um, men mm. in front of you, Jabalani, mm. and that offends you? Now, sex is a listed ground in terms of the hate speech bill. So if I not, have I now caused you any emotional harm because I said something against men in front of you? And then the second um, element of hate speech, so the first element is harm, very widely defined, like we just used the example of me saying something against men. Mm. The second element of to promote and propagate hatred is not even defined. And then again, many of the listed grounds like gender identity, gender expression, all of that is completely not defined in the bill. So let's break this down practically. The bill essentially says that one, you've got a very wide um, element number one, which could include any, you know, offensive speech. And you have an undefined element number two that could be interpreted very widely and vaguely. So if you have both of these elements, one very wide, one undefined present, then you have committed the crime of hate speech and off to jail you go. Wow. And that is, like I said, it's going to be much more easier in terms of this bill to be sent off to jail then it's going to be ordered to apologize under the Equality Act. And that's very concerning. And I mean, people have said, no, we need this law because there's so much racist speech. Um, or rather, as, as, let me correct that, some racist speech. Um, even the speaker in that event acknowledged that most South Africans aren't racist and it's not that big a problem. But you're looking at a law that goes much further than the laws of the apartheid government. That's vague. That's wide that has narrow grounds for exemption, wide grounds for victim. I mean, it doesn't even have to be you that takes me to to court for for saying something against men. It wow. could, like victim is defined so widely. So it's, it's just a very, very dangerous law to think that we're letting something like this in under the guise of combating racist speech, which, you know, in any event, one would say, no, let's have that out in the open realm so we can try and persuade people to a different point of view, try and reconcile them, try and, you know, change them, not drive it underground, which is much more dangerous. Mm. But we're letting in this law that could potentially completely shut out free speech in the country. Sure. Wow. <laughs> That's all I can say. Wow. Yeah, exactly, right? You can't think that we're sitting with a state that seems to be hell-bent on putting a law into place that is worse than the laws of censorship that saw people go to jail under the apartheid government. It's, and you, you think of this, you think of what this means for academics, artists, uh, journalists, uh, religious people. And those mm. are just the four grounds that are exempted mm. um, in the bill. And as I said, those grounds are very narrow. I mean, 4SA argued for... Um, the religious exemption clause, because obviously we work from a religious uh, freedom perspective only. Yes. We argued for that ground to expressly protect individuals and religious organizations, whether those comments are made in private or public, which one would think is like, okay, those are easy for, for things to sit in, to put into the bill. Um, and I mean, we're not, we weren't concerned for nothing because in 2018, when this bill was first tabled in parliament, the deputy minister of justice himself told Parliament Jabulani that, no, in his view, the religious exemption clause should only be interpreted to protect speech made from the pulpit. So let's say you speak about something controversial, like gender identity. Let's say you want to preach Genesis 1, you know, God made them male and female. And you preach that from the pulpit, it's fine. But now Daniela listens to Jabulani's Sunday sermon 
in um, in church and decides to post that on her Facebook. Yes. Now, then I'm guilty of hate speech. I'm not protected and off to jail I go. Or I come up to you, say, after the sermon and, I'm, and I say to you, Jabalani, um, like I'm really, I'm really struggling. Like I'm learning so much different stuff in school and different stuff at university. You know, is this really what God says? How can he be so narrow-minded that there's only male and female? And you engage with me, you know, maybe afterwards in the coffee shop about it. Now, in terms of the minister's interpretation of this bill, you, that wouldn't be protective speech. Sure. So that that's really intense. And then the same goes for um, the artists, academics, and journalists who have very narrow grounds for exemption. Those grounds are not wide enough at all to allow for vivid public debate, which is what one wants in a democracy. Hmm. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking about, um, you know, Working with a lot of young people, there is um, exactly. the the there's people are so easily triggered and use the um, quote unquote hate speech line um, whenever you you share something that you are passionate about and and when I listen to this, it really does sound like as as Christians we're really about to jump into the ring and it sounds like the the chances of five years in prison is most is most likely if if nothing changes no exactly and i mean it's it's um in a democracy wants to one wants to be because we're especially diverse Mm. um one wants to be tolerant of diverse views in public and one wants to be able to debate them in public i want to be able to talk with you on radio even if we don't have um the same views and i mean i'm a i'm particularly um for talking to people that you disagree with because that's how one expands and that's how one changes and that's how one finds truth and that's so needed in a democracy and it's sad to say but this bill does not serve to protect freedom of expression religious freedom freedom of religious expression Mm. in the public realm and it also doesn't serve to not stifle ideology beliefs or views which is actually what the concord said in the Quilani matter, which, like we said, is a civil matter. Mm. So, I mean, in a civil matter where you can be ordered to apologize, you shouldn't stifle ideology, beliefs, or views in public. But in a criminal case, you know, this bill does that. It's it's completely irrational. <sighs> so, so then, what can you tell us about um, the Parliament's meeting on the bill this week? So, the Department of Justice appeared in front of Parliament's Portfolio Committee. Um, Wednesday, and they're actually convening again now as we talk from this meeting. I will go to that one. Okay. Um, and they gave, and that's what it means to be a parliamentary liaison, Chapulani. Oh. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm the contact person and I do all the parliamentary work. Okay. Um, is the Department of Justice gave their response to the over 100,000 individual submissions made. And 4SA is alarmed to say that it doesn't seem like any of those submissions were taken seriously. None of them were really mentioned. Hmm. Um, the department pick and chose about which um, comments from which organizations they presented to Parliament and just scrolled past the rest. And um, the uh, department also gave Parliament a new version of the bill, which 4SA perused. And in that version... Jabulani, the grounds that um, one couldn't speak against were suddenly expanded from 17, approximately 17 grounds in the first version of the bill, to over 23 criminally actionable grounds um, or characteristics. And like I've said, those are, you know, include 
uh, undefined expressions, which seem to be quite fluid and morphing, which is why I, I, I hammer on the fact that they're undefined, because they mean one thing today, but two, three, four years from now, they will mean something different. Gender expression will mean something different. Gender 50 years ago means something different to what it means now. Gender identity will mean something different. Um, and when you're criminalizing something, you want to be certain. You want to know if I do something, if I do X, that is wrong. Sure. X must be very well defined. You can't have vague or, or a fungible um, characteristics or principles in there. And um, I mean, this bill, so harm was massively expanded. As I've said, the second element is completely undefined. A small win is that you now need both elements. In the first version of the bill, you had a narrow grounds for harm and or promote or propagate hatred. In this version of the bill, you have wider grounds for harm and promote or propagate hatred. But I think any reasonable person can see the problem is still very much there. And again, the narrow grounds for exemption um, are not strong enough. They, they, they weren't expanded at all, despite the massive public outcry. I mean, on the call on Wednesday with some very prominent journalists, everyone is very worried about this bill. It really is a return to draconian apartheid legislation, even more so because the, um, I think it was the Publications Act of 1970 something didn't even go as far as this bill does. So it's, it's very concerning. Wow. Well, Daniela, thank you for the work that you continue to do. Um, I can I can hear in, in your voice that this is frustrating. Um, even just just thinking about your your own convictions and and just the truth and just even listening to this, it it really sounds like we are trying to create laws that are, are based on subjectivity, whereas there needs to be some exactly. obje- objectivity. Um, and with subjectivity, it means that most of us are going to be in trouble because um, there's there's nothing tangible to hang uh, this this law on, and therefore we all got to find ourselves in prison. No, it's it's um it's very concerning because essentially what the Department of Justice um said to Parliament when you know asked some questions on Wednesday was they said oh but in the Rolani matter the court said this and this and this you know so for example what you're hinting on a guilty mind and so forth mm. um isn't necessary um you know subject of intention for Daniela to mean to actually commit hate speech or something like that mm. um. But actually, again, they completely failed to highlight to Parliament that 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 what the court said in Quilani had to do with the civil standard, which is much lower than sending someone to jail. It's much lower than a criminal standard. So what we're seeing now is something that is more or less a civil standard wider in terms of like some of the definitions than the civil standard and the Equality Act being used to criminalize things. It's extremely concerning. It's extremely concerning to see where this will go because often what we find is that these laws lay on the books for a year or two um, and then, you know, cases against people targeted for their beliefs start. Because, I mean, already under the Equality Act, this is happening. For us, it has been involved in numerous cases where um, Christians specifically have been targeted um, for... Uh, there was one last year of uh, evangelist being taken to court under the Equality Act for alleged hate speech because he evangelized in public. Um, and I mean, now you're talking about a civil act where you could have been ordered to apologize. What happens when that becomes, you know, the the the, the um, a crime under the hate speech bill? And you're saying, oh, but that, you know, we're, we're going to interpret the religious exemption clause to only means a speech from the pulpit. So he's not covered when he evangelizes on the street. 
Wow. Like people need to think, because I mean, there was a media interview. Um, I know News 24 hosted a panel earlier this week uh, talking about the need to criminalize racist speech. But one needs to really think about the pros and the cons of criminalizing speech in a democracy. And one always needs to think, how can this law be used against you? Sure. And then it becomes very concerning. And you realize, like, actually, I don't want this. And I don't want my children to grow up in a, in a country where 20 years from now, this law, the, the definitions in this law have changed so widely from when they were first written. And they're no longer free to debate things at school or in public. And as churches, we can't talk about certain things anymore because jails become a real thing. Hmm. Because no one thought in 2000 when the Equality Act was passed, Jabalani, that um, we would see Christians and Christian business. No, an evangelist would have to go and defend himself in court for evangelizing on the street. Wow. But yet in 2021, that's what was happening, 21 years after the Equality Act had passed. So we definitely need to look at the law of unintended consequences and think, okay, is this something, how pernicious can this thing become? And do we want to allow it in? Like, what is the slippery slope? Sure. Well, Daniela, again, thank you for, for coming in. Thank you for your time today. Um, if, if people are looking for more information um, uh, regarding the next steps, regarding the, um, this, uh, this bill and uh, the, the regulations, where should they go? Um, where can they listen to the rest of this? Uh, do you have any information for us? Sure. So um, on the hate speech bill, FORSA will closely monitor the process and um, we remain fully opposed to this legislation, which is really chilling um, in a democracy mm. and which obviously, as we've just canvassed, represents an immediate and severe threat to our religious freedom. So for people who want to remain up to date, the moment there's something they can do about it, they can um, sign up for our newsletter on our website at www.for.sa.org.za. We also our videos and articles on, for example, the films and publications regulations we spoke about earlier will be. Or they can follow us on Facebook, uh, where we post daily also videos, articles, status updates, and so forth to keep people up to date. And our Facebook handle is Freedom of Religion SA. Awesome. Well, Daniela, I hope you enjoy um, your... Uh, I think you said you're going to listen to uh, the proceedings now? Yes, and we'll also share that link, the YouTube um, uh, channel streaming of the parliamentary meeting on our Facebook page. So listeners who want to see what's happening and stay up to date, because remember, Parliament is our elected representatives. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to represent our views. Um, so it's good to know what is happening yes um and i will post that on our facebook page as well just again for listeners who might have missed it it's freedom of religion essay all right perfect well daniela do enjoy the rest of your day and thank you again for joining us thank you jablani absolute privilege all right well, listeners, um, we will take a short break and then we'll be back just now. We're going to be listening to a song by Andile Kamajola and the song is called happening on parliamentary level because um, it's a matter of time before persecution hits our doorstep uh, we usually pray for the unreached countries of the world uh, but it's very possible um, that we would be one of them um, soon so 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 really do be be praying be praying for Daniela be praying for uh, for SA um, as they continue to stand for religious freedom in our country uh, we are privileged in South Africa to to have uh, such a democracy that allows 
allows us for freedom of speech and that's why we can have a show like this one uh, where we can freely uh, talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ we can call him Jesus Christ we can uh, open the scriptures with freedom and discuss what the scriptures talk about uh, because we have uh, that freedom of religion in our country and we can stand for what we believe as true and the truth is uh, that our God reigns his name is Jesus Christ he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of Lords and that's exactly how we transition into uh, the topic of the day we are going to be talking about uh, kings and kingdoms uh, and so um, the question that I want you to have in your mind is, is what do you know about the faith of the Queen of England? Uh, so if you have any information about um, of, of was she a believer? What, what do you know about um, how she carried out her faith? So uh, what do you know about the faith of the Queen of England or of the king or queen of your country. So maybe you're listening to the show um, and your country has a king back home. It has or it has a queen. Uh, or maybe your tribe, your tribe has a king or queen. In fact, um, I think it was last month uh, where we saw the inauguration of uh, King Umisu Zulu, Gazulu, um, in KZN. Um, and he was uh, inaugurated as the new king of the Guazulu people. Um, so uh, the question that I'll be asking you is, uh, what do you know about his faith? So hit us up if you know anything about the faith of uh, the king of your, your tribe, the queen of your tribe, the king of your country. Uh, send us a WhatsApp to 082 um, or if you know about the faith of the Queen of England, um, you could help us as well uh, with, with some information there as we chat about uh, kings um, and, and kingdoms. Um, so maybe just a few shout outs even before we, uh, we start our discussion. Uh, um, really appreciate you listening in, Bev. Uh, thanks again for the welcome and appreciating the topic that's on the table. She's all the way from Binoni. Um, and Brie, uh, your prayer request has been received. Um, so right after the show, uh, you can rest assured uh, that I will be uh, praying um, for your son. Um, so I, I went on Twitter and I looked at, you know, what what were people saying with regards uh, to uh, the now late queen? And I saw J.I. Packer. Uh, J.I. Packer uh, wrote these words. He says, the queen is a Christian lady resolved to live out her vow till she drops. She merits unbounded admiration for, from us all. As myself, a Christian, a Commonwealth citizen and an oldest old of my own lifetime commitment to God, I aim to follow her example of unflagging faithfulness. A brother by the name of Nick Badzik, um, he was commenting on a photo of the Queen and he says um, he loves a photo taken of the Queen of England with the Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, she, she had great respect and admiration for the gospel ministry of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, we also get a comment on Twitter by Matt Redman who said in an age where um, character no longer seems to be king, I'm so grateful the steadfast and dedicated follower of Christ was our queen. Joining millions of others uh, mourning the loss of Queen Elizabeth II and celebrating her inspiring legacy 
May she rest in peace and rise in glory. Uh, so again, the question is, what did you know about the faith of the Queen of England? Or um, what do you know about the, the faith of the King or Queen of your country back home? If you're not South African, unfortunately, we have a president. Uh, or maybe I'll ask that question. What do you know about the faith uh, of Umat Amela, our President Cyril Ramaphosa? What do you know about his faith? Or what do you know about the faith of the King or Queen? of your tribe now um, as I was uh, preparing for the show this morning I came across a uh, a piece that was written about the Queen of England and the piece was titled The Quiet Faith of Queen Elizabeth II by Carl R. Truman um, and this is what Carl said this was written on the 9th um, well, actually, that was the 8th of September, uh, 2022. And this is what Carl had to say. He said, Some of this was no doubt due to her quiet but serious Christian faith. A friend who once had tra- had the privilege of being a royal chaplain and spending a weekend at Balmoral Castle confirmed that the conversations he had with the Queen revealed her to be a thoughtful, devout Christian. As a humble Christian, she took her earthly vocation seriously, placing the needs of the office and of the people she ruled before her own. Unlike most heads of state today, she was a person to whom one could point and say to one's children and grandchildren, when you grow up, you want to be like her. Her reign was marked with a deep sense of dignity of her office. She never used profane language. She never sneered at critics. A generation raised um, a generation raised on reality TV, life as inspired performance, uh, conf- confected Twitter outrage, and living loud would do well to reflect upon that. To how many other executions of the past decades can one point as a good example to follow. Maybe that is why monarchy might not be such a bad thing after all. Democracy elected leaders often achieve their positions thanks to ruthless ambition, dirty tricks, and an overwhelming sense of their own vital importance. The queen was never burdened with such temptations, and it showed. Now, those are some words of people um, who shared a bit about the Queen. And I see here we have a WhatsApp uh, from Tinker who sends a WhatsApp picture that says, God bless this woman in her transition into heaven. And let's pray that the salvation that happened for her would happen for her descendants. Now, it seems to me that many believed that she was a Christian. Um, And I'm not here, to be honest with you, to confirm that. And I'm also not here to deny that. Uh, But I do want to say that it is worth noting. It's worth noting that people say that they've walked in the room and they've listened to her talk about her faith in the Lord Jesus. And and some even believe uh, that she was a devout Christian. Now, it's also worth noting uh, that if Twitter is anything to go by, that many others have mixed emotions about the Queen. You know, others, of course, uh, were celebrating her passing. Um, You know, those uh, who hated her. In fact, uh, there were many uh, who uh, saw this as an opportunity to write about colonization. 
others were uh, celebrating and grabbing popcorn that this is a historic event nonetheless um, the currency in England the coins the, uh, uh, the, the, the notes of money will be reprinted to have the picture of the king um, we see now <clears throat> King Charles, if that's what he chooses to go by, uh, will be um, inaugurated as the new king and therefore there's going to be a lot of change. So a lot of people are sitting with bated breath uh, to see what is going to unfold in Great Britain. But it is also worth noting that however you felt about her, if, if, if she was a genuine believer... Then this quote that I read earlier this week is worth considering. Someone speaking about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was uh, known as one who persecuted Christians. Uh, he was known as one who was holding a cloak while Stephen was being stoned to death. He was one who we see in Acts chapter 9. The scales fell from his eyes and he came to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and he followed him as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was called for that ministry. He says, the Apostle Paul, that he was specifically called by the Lord Jesus Christ as an apostle, one who was untimely born for the ministry to the Gentiles, which is you and me. However, uh, the, the thing that I read this week said this, Paul walked into heaven to the applause of those he persecuted. A very interesting phrase because we live in a world today where uh, um, if, if retaliation is the theme of the day, if someone did me evil, definitely I want to repay evil for evil. And it says here that as Paul walks into heaven, those whom he persecuted see him walk into those pearly gates, as we've heard them called, will be applauding that a soul has come into heaven. Now that is something that is important for us, that if she was a believer, then as Christians, surely we should be celebrating the fact that she is in glory today. And maybe even as an aside, I know today we're talking about kings and their kingdoms. It is also worth noting that that guy in jail who, who was responsible for a massacre killing many millions of people and is prosecuted and is sent to jail to, 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 to serve a life sentence. If he comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as well, then his soul too will go into heaven to the cheer of angels. For God delights to save souls. It is the will of God that people, that souls come to repentance. But there is a bigger picture that I don't want us to miss. Queen Elizabeth was a queen of England, but she died. What does this tell us about kingdoms and kings of our age? What does this tell us about president and governments? I mean, we're talking to Daniela right now about the government passing bills and uh, the, the government setting regulations. Some of these regulations that might make it difficult for us to live as Christians in South Africa. Uh, some of uh, these these uh, bills and regulations might make it difficult for 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 pastors who have uh, mar marital licenses who will now be forced to to marry people of the same sex even against their own convictions even against what they believe to be true in scripture 
what about these governments? What about these presidents? What about these kings? What about these queens? Well, the reality is they too shall die. Now, obviously, um, I must, it must be said that I do pass my condolences to the royal family. Um, chances are they won't hear it, but I do want to pass them nonetheless. My condolences to the royal family. But this is an opportunity for, for us who are all the way in South Africa to reflect on this reality that kings and queens will die. Kings and kingdoms will come to an end. Governments will come to an end as well. All kings and their kingdoms will see an end. Consider uh, Psalm 103 verse 15. It says, As for men, his days are like grass. He withers like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and with, and with it is gone and its place knows it no more. So likewise, we are here today and we are like flowers. We, we, we bloom like spring. Oh man, aren't you happy it's spring? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here today. I'm finally wearing shorts. Uh, my, my, my legs were lighter than my face in complexion because I've been wearing long pants all through winter. Uh, but finally spring is here. I can be free again to wear shorts. I can enjoy some warm weather. Um, but, but with spring comes the blooming of flowers. Uh, well, for, for us who suffer with sinuses, it's, it's not that great. But it's beautiful to see nonetheless. But these flowers, they bloom today. They're beautiful today and they're gone tomorrow. With summer, we're going to see uh, those beautiful jacarandas. As Praetorians, we love our jacarandas. But the jacarandas as well, they are here today. And they are gone tomorrow. And that's the point that the psalmist is making here. That man, mankind, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and with it is gone. And its place knows it no more. So the truth is, folks, as you listen this morning, every good or bad monarch, old or young monarch, dominant or passive monarch will be brought to an end. They will not rule for an eternity. And that is the truth that we are to stand on. So I want to I wanna encourage you, man, join in on this conversation. If, if you are on WhatsApp, uh, join the conversation on 0826522729. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, it is a truth that is uh, found in the scriptures that kings and kingdoms will come to an end, but the kingdom of God will last for an eternity because our God is indeed the king of kings and he is the lord of lords uh, somebody uh, posted they, I think we posted on radio, on radio pulpit that faith doesn't uh, always mean that God changes your situation. Sometimes it means that he changes you. God is always indeed at work in making us more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. But I do want to pose a question then. If we are talking about these kings and these kingdoms, from whence did they start? When did they start? We we get Genesis uh, chapter chapter one and chapter two and chapter three and we see no kings. We get to Genesis chapter four, five, and six and we see no kings. Uh, we get to uh, Exodus, we see no kings. Uh, we get to Leviticus, we see no kings. Deuteronomy, Joshua, we see no kings. Where do these kings come from? Well, First Samuel chapter eight, um, we, we we get the. The, the the demand uh, we 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 get the demand for uh, for for a king, 
Um, and, and it starts with, uh, um, let me read for us, First Samuel chapter 8 from verse 1. It says, when Samuel, when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah, they were judges in Beersheba. Now, I must quickly correct myself. Um, but, but by judges, the, the, the other nations had, had raised for themselves up kings. But, but in, in this very instance, the nation Israel had, had the Lord God himself as their king. So, so this, this was the picture of, of the one good kingdom that remained because it was the kingdom of God himself. And the nation Israel were the people who were under the Lord God himself serving him as their king. They had no earthly king because they reported directly to the king of kings himself, which is the great Jehovah, which is the great God of all ages. But we see you continue reading in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 3. It says, Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations." Now oh, it's interesting that the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, in fact, God had, had intended that the nation Israel would be different. They, they, they would be the, 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 the light bearers of this sinful world. They would be the people of, from whom the world would see that God, who this God is and this God exists. They were to be the mouthpiece for God. And yet... They're coming to the prophet and they're asking the prophet, Hey, we want to be like the other nations. And yet they were supposed to stand out. They were supposed to be different. And in verse 6, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to these words. Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so that so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So God says uh, to, 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 to uh, Samuel, Samuel, do not, do not be despaired, do not be despondent, do not be discouraged. These people are not rejecting you, but they actually are rejecting me. What the nation Israel did not understand in what they were saying is they were actually saying, Samuel, we want a king for ourselves we don't want god to be our king anymore can you imagine that they don't want god as king instead they're saying they want a king like the other nations and they had the greatest king they could ever have but god says these are the these are a people who from the time i had i'd rescued them from slavery they were a people who were forsaking me they were a people who were serving other gods and they are continuing to do it now now it's interesting that god says to samuel he says warn them 
says, warn these guys that they actually don't know what they're asking for. For the king that they get, man, he's going to bring about hardship. Now consider uh, what, what, what Samuel says in his, in his warning to um, the nation Israel. He says in verse 11 of 1 Samuel chapter 8, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war of of war and equipment of his chariots he will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive and olive orchards and give them to his servants he will take the tenth of your grain and all your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants he will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your of your young men and your donkeys and put them to work he will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves and in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves but the lord will not answer you in that day don't you sometimes listen to Bible stories like these and, and like this and think, man, I wish I could jump in and just slap the nation Israel over the head and say, guys, wake up, wake up, wake up. You got it all wrong. Run, 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 run. This actually is not a good idea. It is a bad idea. You don't want a king. You you feel like you can, it's like you're in the movies, in the cinema, and you're about to see your, your favorite character, um, do something very silly and you just hear people in the movie house shouting don't do it don't do it sometimes when i read the scriptures i feel like that i feel like i could just jump in and say nation israel no don't do it but did you notice did you notice from verse 13 he says he will take verse 14 he will take verse 15 he will take verse 16 he will take verse 17 he will take this king that you want, nation Israel, will take, take, take until he's taken so much from you that you want to cry to God for help. And in that day, I will remind you that you chose this king for yourself. And in that day, the Lord God says, I will not answer you. Now, it's interesting. They had a God who gave, gave, gave. And they wanted to replace him with a king who takes, takes, takes. But after this warning, you think the nation Israel would listen to the prophet? But no, <laughs> listen to how they responded to him. They said, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, they shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go before us and fight our battles. That's interesting. Again, you see the reasoning for why they wanted a king. They say they wanted a king so that they can be like the other nations. Wow. They rejected the counsel of Samuel, which was indeed the counsel of the Lord. And they said, man, we want to be like the other nations. We want a king who will judge us. We want a king who will go before us and fight our battles. 
Do you remember what happened in Jericho? Do you remember what happened in Egypt? Do you remember the journey through Mount Sinai? The battle of I, of, or if you say AI, who fought your battles? Who was judging over you? Who went before you by fire at night and by cloud in the day? It's, it's amazing. The nation Israel, it sounds like they were saying they had no God. They had no person who was already doing this. And the amazing thing is the person who was doing this was God. And he has insight. <laughs> We're talking about the God who is omniscient, who knows all things, who is everywhere. And yet they said they wanted a finite being to rule over them instead of the great I am. I don't know about unwise decisions, but this was not a wise decision. But bringing it into 2022, we read stories like this and sometimes we say, man, if we could choose God over our current government, we'd do it in a heartbeat. But is that always true? Um, would we choose God over a king today? That's not always true. I think we, 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 because we are sinners, we also still reject Jesus today. We also choose to serve um, different idols today. And we also sometimes find ourselves serving in the wrong kingdom. So I want to remind you today, who is this king? Psalm 103 continues from verse 17 to 19 and says, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to, um, on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. Listen to this. And his kingdom rules over all. So we are going to take a short break um, and we're going to come back and talk about, about this kingdom of God, this, this kingdom uh, that rules over all. So uh, for now, we are going to just take a break and listen to, um, some, some, uh, listen to another song. Um, we're going to take a short break and listen to another song. And then we're going to come back and we're going to look at what is this kingdom of God and what is this kingdom that will last um, for all eternity. And all other rulers will be conquered or abolished, and he alone will reign supreme as he is king and lord of all the earth. There is no power, no king, no lord who can oppose him and win. There are mirrored references to this absolute rule of Jesus and his preeminence over other rulers throughout Scripture. To mention just a few, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 23 to 24, it says that the Lord brings princes to nothing and makes earth's rulers emptiness. The mere breath of the Lord will carry them off like stubble. David's vision of the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 to 14 is of one who he calls the Ancient of Days, whose everlasting dominion is over all people, nations, and languages. In the New Testament, we get a, be a better view of the one 
of the one these passages is referring to. The writer of Hebrews speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ saying he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The next verse speaks of Jesus being much superior to the angels. Clearly, his rule over creation is absolute. Friends, that is the God whom we are talking about today. Um, Marlene, thank you for, for listening in and for saying that down to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. We, we, we are uh, talking about King Jesus and his kingdom. And this conversation uh, started from we were talking about the queen who has now passed on. And now we are referring to the king who will reign forever. The king who reigns forever. And we looked at the passage in Psalm 103. We looked at verse 17 to 19. But to remind us before the song, we read verse 19 that says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. And his kingdom rules over all. So then the question on the table is, what is the kingdom of God? How would you respond? If somebody asked you today, what is the kingdom of God? What would you say? Let me give you a moment. Just think about it. What is the kingdom of God? If you had to give a one line, just, just a, a, a one word uh, answer to that question. What is the kingdom of God? What would you say? Well, the easy answer would be to note that a kingdom is the territory over which a king reigns. So since we understand that God is the creator of all things, then the extent of his reign must be the whole world. Manifestly then, the kingdom of God is wherever God reigns, and since he reigns everywhere, the kingdom of God is everywhere. He sits as king on his throne of the universe and his kingly rule, his kingdom and his reign governs all things. The basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is God's kingly rule, his reign, his action, his lordship, his sovereignty, his governance. But now we might come across a bit of a problem. We read in scripture that there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of darkness and then there is the kingdom of light. And if we saying that God is the one who has sovereign rule, then what really then are we talking about when we are talking about this kingdom? We also read uh, that John the Baptist announced that the kingdom of God is at hand. But that sounds like the kingdom of God hadn't been established and, and it sounds like God is about to start something new. So what really was John the Baptist talking about? We also see that Jesus in his conversation with Pilate, he says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. What is he again talking about there? Well, he was indicating that his kingdom was something spiritual that takes place in our hearts. Or was he speaking of something else? The whole Old Testament calls attention not to a kingdom that would simply appear in people's hearts, but a kingdom that would break through into this world. A kingdom that would be ruled by God's anointed Messiah. So we get two elements here. We get that already 
and not yet already the kingdom of god is 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 there god is currently sitting on his throne he is ruling and he is reigning he is indeed the king of kings and he is the lord of lords our, our god reigns we sing that song our god reigns he reigns forever our god reigns so he is the god who is currently reigning today so what was John the Baptist talking about? Well, Jesus Christ was coming to usher in the new covenant. When Jesus Christ came onto the earth, he, he came as the son born of the father, sent by the father, and he came to die on that cross. He was obedient in every way, and he took upon himself our curse. He became a curse for us, and he died on the cross for our sins. Now, maybe to pause. That's not something we just want to say in passing and just quickly glance over. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reality that God became flesh. He took on physical form because God in and of himself cannot die. So God became flesh to die on the cross for our sins. And in his death, he didn't remain dead. After three days, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and shame. He was the one who crushed the head of Satan and only his heel was bruised on that cross. But we also know that he ascended into heaven after 40 days. He went and he is seated on the right hand of the Father currently ruling and reigning but there is coming a day when our Lord Jesus Christ will come again and when he comes again he will finally abolish sin and evil and he will rule and reign over all with no opposing kingdom that day is coming but as it stands, we have that already, but not yet, because there is that reality of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The Bible talks about in um, Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Um, it would be best if I, if I read it for us. Um, this element of the, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. In, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, it says, And you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind what 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 Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 2 is that there was a reality there was a reality in that before we came to the before we came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ we lived following the prince of the power of this air the prince of the power of this air is obvious he is referring to the evil one he is referring to Satan Satan currently in is ruling the kingdom of darkness and is looking for those whom he can deceive there are those today who are thinking currently that they are walking in light but are in reality slaves of darkness the the bible says that we are we, we were born in sin and because we were born in sin we were slaves of sin and as slaves of sin we are slaves who are serving a king and that king of that kingdom is the devil himself 
We also read in um, another good passage by the Apostle Paul in Romans uh, chapter 1. Uh, a familiar passage, so I won't read over it, I'll just skip to verse 21 and it says, And although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and they fo- and their foolish hearts were darkened. They thought they were wise, they were claiming to be wise, but they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, men and birds and animals and creeping things. What was the result? Therefore, God gave them up. God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So we get this image that, that, that um, uh, they, they thought they knew God, but they did not honor him as God although they knew God they, there was this revelation this general revelation that a God exists they rejected him as the almighty God and therefore we see that in their foolish hearts they, they exchanged the image of God for images re- resembling mortal men they chose to worship man rather than the creator they chose to worship the creature rather than the creator now the what I want to get to today, uh, before we, we, we bring this show to, to a close, is the question today, if you are a believer, is there evidence that you are currently living for the kingdom of light? To what kingdom do you belong? And is there evidence, is there tangible evidence that you are living as one who belongs to that kingdom? I love the book of Haggai. Uh, the book of Haggai is, is, is a great book where, where, where God was, was challenging His people because they had their priorities misplaced. You see, they, 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 they were to, the nation Israel were to be the people of God, living for God. They were to be a kingdom people. But in, in actual fact, they, they, they at times either worshipped idols of the foreign nations or they worshipped other gods and many times they worshipped themselves. Question today I'm asking, I mean this is not a sermon, it, it, it is a discussion that we're supposed to have but, but I do want to be pointed in this, in this discussion to ask you the question as you are listening in, to which kingdom do you belong? Do you belong to the kingdom of light or to the kingdom of darkness? Do you remember the words of Samuel? Uh, Samuel was charged by God to, to warn, warn the nation Israel that this king that you want is not as great as you think. Likewise, this king whom I'm serving, whether it's myself or it's another God besides the God revealed in the scriptures, the truth is that God is not as good as you think. In the book of Haggai, uh, in chapter one, uh, it says this: "And in the second year of Darius, uh, in the second year of of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts." These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, verse 4, 
It is a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but you... But no one is warm, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. This so much describes many of us today. There is the reality that some have said that the time has not yet come for me to be committed to the kingdom of God. But we read in, 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 in Peter that we are a kingdom people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a, a chosen race. And yet we say the time has not yet come for me to live as I have been called. If you are a believer, if you say that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone for the salvation of your soul, then the Bible says that you are to live as one who belongs to the kingdom of heaven. Today, the challenge from Haggai is consider your ways. Have you been focusing too much on the earthly? Focusing on your career, focusing on your job, focusing on your family, focusing on your reputation, focusing on your fame, focusing on the government, focusing on trying to change the world, and yet having, haven't been committed or devoted to God or you haven't been committed or devoted to the kingdom of God remember the kingdom of God knows no end but the kings and the kingdoms of this world will come to an end so then the question that we must ask ourselves then is this if we are to live for the kingdom of God where God rules and reigns as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, what does that mean for us in 2022? What does that mean for us practically? Well, it means that our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. As much as you will experience hardship on this earth, you will see crimes of many kinds, you will see corruption, you will see hardship, you will experience pain. You will see death of people whom you love dearly. You will, and you might yourself, if the Lord hasn't come back, you will yourself experience death. For it's appointed unto man to die. However, if you are a citizen of heaven, then friends, we have hope that as we are walking on this earth, we understand that, man, we are just pilgrims. We are passing by. I remember uh, uh, an old pastor used, used to say these words to me, that as a pilgrim, don't put your tent peg too deep into the ground because you will have to pull it up again and you have to move again. Our, our lodging is not permanent on this earth. So as we put our tent pegs on the ground, we are to remember it is temporary we are passing by so then if we are passing by how then should we live well jesus tells us jesus tells us in matthew chapter 6 
great passage again friends if 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 you are listening to this i'd like you to take some time and read matthew chapter 6 even as you're reflecting on the passing of of the queen as 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 you're thinking of kings and kingdoms or of queens and 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 they reigns or monarchs and they rule uh, uh, just consider this passage as you consider yourself as one who is a passerby a pilgrim a a member of the kingdom of heaven one who is part of the royal priesthood of god matthew chapter 6 verse 19 says this do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth that's what the nation israel did in the letter or the what the uh, prophet haggai was referring to they had laid up for themselves treasures on earth they uh, if if you continue reading um haggai he uh, um the prophet then talks about man you are living in paneled houses they were living in mansions they were living in beautiful homes if if we had to uh, bring that into 2022 these guys were living in mansions they were living in mansions in santon mansions in in waterkloof uh, they, they were they were living the good life um the young people say man these guys were living soft <laughs> But they forgot about the kingdom. Whilst they were living soft, the temple was lying in ruins. No one stopped to say, hey, hey guys, let's, let's go build the temple of our God. We have no place to congregate and worship the living God. Jesus brings that into Matthew chapter 6 and he challenges us and he tells us in 2022, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So I guess, again, the question is, where is your heart? Is your heart with the treasures on earth? Are you career-driven and that's that's your main thing on earth? Or maybe your main thing on earth is your family. That is, that is your prime priority, family over everything, even over God. Those things aren't bad. It's not good. It's not bad to have a career. It's not bad to love your family or even prioritize your family. But it is bad if these things take precedent over God. You see, what God is saying is all these things are going to get destroyed. These things will pass by. If you go to a cemetery today, there are no trailers. In heaven, no one is bringing in their trailer with all the accolades. <laughs> no one is. Uh, Moses didn't bring his trailer on how he led the nation Israel from Egypt. Uh, Joshua didn't lead the trailer of how he led them uh, as they were conquering Canaan. Uh, uh, Paul didn't bring his trailer on how he spread the gospel uh, throughout Asia. Uh, Man, Jabu is not going to bring his trailer of his degree or his trailer of, of how he did in ministry or his, or, or his trailer of his wife or his children or, or my laptop or my cell phone or my car. I, I won't have a trailer of all these things in heaven. All these things will be left on earth. My family will be fighting over them because these things can be destroyed. The, the challenge in this passage is, man, have... Have lay your, lay up your treasures in heaven. Remember your citizenship is in heaven. So live as a kingdom saint. Living as a kingdom saint means dedicate your life to living for God. So what does that look like practically? Well, we will go to a song and then after that we, we, we're going to respond. What does it look like practically as a Christian to live in the kingdom of God? So, so Jeremy Camp has a song that says, Your way, Yahweh. 
again, man, uh, guys, I didn't choose any of these songs. These songs were already here and they fit so well with what we're talking about. So uh, as you consider your ways, may you also be able to say your way, Yahweh. You've been wondering, who is this guy that's been going on uh, for, for almost two hours now? Well, my name is Jabalani Mayberg, and I'm just standing in for Mark Penrith, um, and uh, he'll, he will uh, be back next week, uh, Lord willing. Um, and uh, so for today, uh, I was just standing in for him. I'm one of the associate pastors at Central Baptist Church, and uh, we have been talking about kings and kingdoms. Uh, we, we had a, a great conversation. Um, with uh, Daniela uh, who is who represented 4SA um, and if you do want more information about that you can uh, go on our Facebook page and you can find out some of that discussion or you can go to the 4SA website and you'll find out um, just what has been going on with regards to uh, regulations and bills that could affect you and could affect um, the believers around you as well so before the song, uh, we ended with the question, what does it look like practically? So what does it look like uh, for uh, for you practically where you are um, as you sit listening to this to live for the kingdom of God? And we, we looked at firstly that element of uh, do not lay for yourself uh, treasures on earth that can um, moth or, or uh, where moth and rust destroy it, where thieves can break in and steal it. But lay your treasure in heaven where it will not rust, where it will not rot, where it cannot be stolen uh, but it will be there for an an eternity so firstly is change your perspective on your priorities your priority must be to work for the kingdom of God because you are first a kingdom servant before you are uh, a a pilot or a doctor or, or whatever you are I listened uh, to a, a very interesting. Um, uh, well, I read a very, a very interesting article, um, and and a uh, I think it was yes, it was RC RC Sproul, and and RC Sproul was was talking about how um, at at the church where he was at there was this huge problem. And the problem arose when, when in the church there were two flags. Uh, there was what was called a Christian flag, and then there was the American flag. And because these two flags were present, uh, there was this huge debate as to to which flag should we pay our allegiance? Uh, to which flag are we to be committed to? Now, um, it, 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 it is important to note that although we do live in South Africa, uh, we are to obey the laws of our land, our beloved South Africa, our beloved country, which we love so dearly. But as believers, we need to understand that, that we are first citizens of heaven before we are citizens of South Africa. So everything we do in South Africa must be filtered by the word of God if we we are going to indeed live as kingdom servants. So that is another thing that is important. Not only should you change your priorities, but you should always be surfing what you do, surfing to see, hey, will this be pleasing to God? If if I followed that or if I did that, will that be pleasing to God? Will that be bring glory to God? Because we have one standard and that standard is the scriptures. So use the scriptures as your surf. So I'm not much of a baker. 
but my wife is my wife studied hospitality and um she she has taught me a lot about baking and sometimes um i don't even remember what we were baking but we were making something and she put the flour through surf and she was just uh, through a, a sieve i think it's what it's called and 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 she was she was surfing it to remove um um any anything and she was also making it finer i think that's what she was doing but also we we do that also when we are making um uh, beans, brown beans. Uh, we usually surf it to remove um, all all the all the stuff that you don't want in your bean soup. Likewise, as you are a believer, you should be surfing everything. If 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 someone says, "Hey, you cannot stand for the truth," surf that with the truth of the scriptures, and ask yourself the question: Who is my chief and king? As believers, our king must be the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a Christian first and a South African second. I listen to Jesus first, then to anybody else. Um, John Calvin said this John Calvin said it is the task of the church to make the invisible kingdom visible we do that by living in such a way that we bear witness to the reality of the kingship of Christ in our jobs in our families in our schools and even in our checkbooks because God is Christ sorry because God in Christ is king over every one of these spheres of life the only way the kingdom of God is going to be manifest in this world before Christ comes is if we manifest it by the way we live as citizens of heaven and subjects of the king. So uh, a, a pastor once asked the question, um, which, which probably isn't a great question because we want people to re be reading the Bibles. But if you were the only Bible that anyone had, would they go closer to, go, to God or would they look more like the world? As believers, we are to be the salt and the light of this world. We are to be reflecting Christ on the earth. And when people see us, they see the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the whole point of sanctification. Growing in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So to close us off, I want to close us off with... Um, what many know as the Lord's Prayer, uh, but it was actually uh, the disciples' prayer as the Lord was teaching the disciples to pray as this. And he starts it off and he says um, in Matthew chapter 6, um, hmm, for the context, you have to read from verse 5. So I'll read, I'll read that for us. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others truly I say to you they have received their reward which is the applause the applause of people but when you pray go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their empty words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So two key things there. 
we're talking to our father who is in heaven he is in the place of authority he is in the place where glory reigns he is in the place of absence of sin as we are in the place of presence of sin his name is to be hallowed his name is above every other name in fact he indeed as we've been saying this whole episode if you forgot anything this is one thing you should remember he indeed is the king of kings and the lord of lords what should we pray verse 10 your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven I love this image that uh, 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 your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because the picture is in heaven God's will is always being done there is no one who is questioning God God why are you doing this the angels obey God without questioning his his heart or his motives the the the, the angels are obedient to God his will is being done in heaven and so the prayer is like it is already happening in heaven may it be so here on earth those who have gone before us in death who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ are faithfully obeying his will in heaven because praise God they are free from the presence of sin so they get to enjoy God and serve God for who he is so God teaches us to pray that may your kingdom come may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven but we must believe that God's will is good so if we pray that God your will be done on earth and God's will on earth is that we are currently ruled or governed by a bad king then so be it because we believe that God's will is good we believe that that what he deems right will come to pass but we also believe that God works out good even out of evil because he is the righteous God now man we're running out of time but there's this there's one more thing i do want to add the beauty of having god as as our king of kings and our lord of lords the beauty of knowing that god is sovereign the beauty of knowing that he works all things out in his providence is that we can be encouraged that there's no such thing as purposeless evil evil is not just ruling and reigning unchecked the devil is not just ruling and reigning unchecked because the throne is occupied. Oh man, if this was a sermon, this is a sermon, this is the point where people were supposed to be saying amen. But that is the beautiful truth of this of 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 the God whom we serve. The God whom we serve is ruling and he is reigning. So as we pray, praise thus, give us this day our daily bread. Not bread for tomorrow. Not bread for next month, but only bread for today. Why? Because tomorrow is not promised to us. We only need grace for today. Tomorrow we could be with our God for all eternity. Tomorrow our God could come back and, and He will judge the living and the dead. Our bodies will take on immortality and we will enjoy eternity with this great God. So therefore, as pilgrims, as passers-by, whose citizenship is in heaven, we just pray for enough bread for today. God, give us bread for today. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, forgive us for our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. This is a 
a, a prayer that we must be faithful to pray because First uh, John says if we say that we do not have sin oh, we are a liar and we make him to be a liar because the truth is we all have sin whether you are a believer or an unbeliever the, 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 the sinful nature still dwells within you the difference as a believer is that the spirit of God now indwells you and he convicts you of your sin and he brings you to the point where you can repent of your sin as a believer you are freed not only from the penalty of sin which is the wrath of God and hell for all eternity but you're also free from the power of sin so you don't have to sin anymore but because you still have the sin nature, you will sin. But sinning must not characterize who you are. You must be characterized by righteousness because you have the Spirit in you and there must be fruit of the Spirit's presence in your life. So therefore, he says, lead us. Uh, lead us not into, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For temptation thrives on this earth. I was preaching a sermon at my church this past Sunday and I was I was preaching from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 uh, talking about uh, the question of sex within marriage and 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 to pre to prepare for that sermon I went on Netflix and the top 10 shows do you know that 8 of the top 10 shows on Sunday on Netflix all had sexual conduct in them we live in a world where sin is rampant and therefore we must pray faithfully God don't lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil and then he ends verse 14 and 15 for if you forgive others they trespass your heavenly father will forgive you but if you do not forgive others they trespass and will your father in heaven forgive you yours so friends to bring this chat to a close um, we praise God that he is a king who is seated on his throne we praise God that we as believers, as Christians, are, have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His marvelous light. The challenge uh, from today's episode was to consider your ways. Consider your ways. Are you one who is uh, living for your own kingdom? Or are you one who has been living for the kingdom of light? As we bring this show to a close, the throne is occupied. Jesus is seated on the throne. The kings of this age will come and they'll go. Uh, the kings of this age um, will come to an end, but the kingdom of God will last for all eternity. I've been Jabulani Maiberg. This has been Table Talk with Mark Penrith, and we will close this show with Alive by Kim Walker.